Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Pip Wilkins, who's no stranger to the franchising sector, as she is the chief executive of the British Franchise Association, whose main aim is to promote ethically the franchising practice in the UK and help the industry develop credibility, influence and favourable circumstance for growth. We talk through Pip's career and find out what she wanted to do for her career before she joined the BFA, why she stayed with the BFA for 22 years and why she still enjoys it so much today. It's a fun and interesting chat and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it as always. So go for that run, grab the coffee, whatever it is that you do, and I hope you enjoy. See you on the other side. So Pip, welcome to The Disenfranchised. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. And thank you so much for having me, Ed. It's nice to be here to talk and be interviewed rather than be the interviewer. Yeah, I know. I had it the other day, actually, where I was interviewed by um, somebody and it feels very strange to be on the other side, but um, I'm really grateful for you to, to be joining us today. So thank you. Now, I want to get straight into the, the questions, really, and find out a bit about your, your career. So could you tell me what was your first job? It's a strange one, really, because most people would probably think it was something in an office. But my, my first job, I was 16 and I worked in what was called the Fun Palace, which is basically a giant pool pool uh, in our holiday camp. Um, and yeah, my, my day was basically spent running around playing it with a whole load of small kids and hiding under the balls when I'd had enough. Um, and <laughs> I went on then to uh, train alongside the job uh, to be a lifeguard. And it was going to be my forever career until my mum told me that I needed to get a proper job. So <laughs> that's wow. kind of when I pretty much stumbled across uh, franchising in the BFA um, and have been there, as you know, ever since. So Yeah, sure. So so what was it about being a lifeguard that, that kind of attracted you to that role? What was it that you wanted to, to achieve with that? I think I just imagined myself a little bit like Pamela Anderson, you know, back in the days of Baywatch, <laughs> running, <laughs> running around, you know, sunning myself on the beach all day. Um, but for me, you know, um, I've always lived by the sea, water and swimming and all of that big part of my kind of world. So, yeah, it was just something that I, I thought would be my forever after career. I suppose what you do when you it's your first job, you're like, this is what I want to do. But yeah, so. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, do you still swim now? Is that something you still keep up on a regular basis? Yeah, ish. Normally when I'm on holiday, but I, I only live five minutes from the sea. So I did um, dabble with going in the sea last year. But um, I think when you're a kid, you don't really realise quite how cold it is. Um, now I'm a bit more grown up. It's freezing. But yeah, it's um, I love I love water. I love living by the sea. If I'm not living by the sea, I've lived by a river. So yeah, for me, it's just water. I find it quite therapeutic and relaxing. So yeah, I I'm pretty much the opposite with the sea. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous around uh, fish and I'm always imagining there's a shark somewhere nearby. So I think I'd have made a terrible lifeguard in all honesty. But I, I made a, a random lockdown purchase and bought a kayak last year. It's like a blowout one, but right at the end of summer. So I haven't yet used it. Um, bought my life jackets, bought the special thing. You can put your phone in uh, so that your phone doesn't get wet. So yeah, that will definitely be something that hopefully I can get in and play with this summer. 
Fantastic. That sounds amazing. That's exactly the sort of thing I want to do in a, probably this year, if I can, uh, is get a kayak and get out there. Because that feels safe to me. Get a life jacket on. No shark's going to jump up out of the water and get you. So, <laughs> yeah, that works for me. But um, in, in terms of franchising then, how did you get into the industry? How did you hear about it? And what attracted you to it? Purely by accident. So um, I moved uh, to Henley on Thames from Devon when I was uh, about 18. Um, and yeah, was looking to, to get out. My parents have always been in the license trade um, and it just wasn't for me, wrong side of the bar, if you like. So um, I started looking at jobs and there was a, an advert for an office job in Henley um, at the British Franchise Association as an admin assistant. So I applied for the role. Um, I actually interviewed with um, Simon White, who many people will know in franchising. He was my, my first boss in franchising. So I, I turned up for this interview and um, you didn't have kind of the internet and stuff 21 odd years ago. <laughs> so yeah, I, I went in and they gave me loads of bump and leaflets about franchising. Um, but the first question he asked me is, is, you know, what do you think about franchising? I was like, oh, gosh. And there was a poster on the wall. It said franchising is the way of the future. So I was like, I think it's the way of the future. So, yeah, I, I got the I got the job. Um, I remember going home to my mum and saying, I'm never going to make coffee again. Um, and my first day, I made everybody in the office coffee, <laughs> uh, stuffed envelopes. Um, and then I've worked through the association in every kind of role. So um, business services kind of assistant role to start off with. Um, then I moved more into kind of events um, and we launched our potential franchisee and franchisor seminars that still run today, but in a very different guise. Um, then into sort of client services. So out on the road, um, spending time with our members, getting to know more about them, um, which then sort of led into business development. Um, so then talking to prospects about why they would like to join the BFA um, and yeah, then into operations head of operations, um, and five years ago that culminated um, in the job as the CEO when my predecessor retired. Wow. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a really nice journey. And I think one of the really nice things about being the CEO now is, you know, I've done every job in the organisation. So you have that really rounded view of everything, you know, from standards to finance to, you know, being out and, and talking to members. So, um I think it's a really good thing to be able to kind of support your team and stuff saying I've been there I've done that you know I know what this role looks like yeah I was going to say you're really lucky in many ways because not many people go through a, a an organization and take on every single role normally it's you know you've gone down the sales route and then go into to management from there or accounting route into a CFO role something like this so to have a that br broad depth of experience is is really interesting now, but yeah. I want to ask you before you before you go on, carry on. I, I wanted to ask you, um, which role would you go back to? Oh wow, um, I, I, I'm torn really. Um, so I, I love the events, and I was I was talking to one of my colleagues actually yesterday, and I said, events for me, it's it's the moment where um, you've organised the conference, you've written the agenda, you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into an event, um, and people come in, and it's how captivated they are by the, the speaking slots and stuff. And it's the same for me. The moment um, the music starts and a bride walks into the, 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 the wedding, everybody stands up and turns around and looks at the bride. For me, I'm always straight to the groom because it's his face the moment he sees the bride. That's the thing for me with events is you get that real kind of sense of what people are getting from it, whether they're engaged and, you know, you can see people nodding along. I always took a real pleasure out of that in the event role. But the one I would probably almost definitely go back to was the, the business development manager role. 
the the being out on the road and talking to people because for me it was a blended mix of talking to members and meeting new companies coming into franchising. Um, so no two days um, for me have really ever been the same at the BFA, which is why I love it so much. It's the variety. So, you know, one day you can be sitting down with, you know, the, the senior head of franchising at McDonald's um, and the next day you're in somebody's house as a new startup franchisor sitting around their kitchen table talking to them about their aspirations. Um, but, you know, I get a bit of all of that in my role as the CEO. So I still, you know, I do CEO meets. So I get to speak to all of our new members, which is a, a new thing for us. And I love it. You know, it's finding out about why people are passionate about franchising, which I think is a characteristic that sits not just in what franchisors are looking for in potential franchisees, but you see it in every franchisor because, you know, they've either started the business or they they love the business they work in. And it's what we look for in, in staff now. You know, we want people that are hugely passionate about this industry um, to, to work for the association. So that kind of bubbles and overcomes when they're talking to our members. So, yeah, for me, definitely BDM because of the variety. Um, and I love to be out and about talking to people, just spending time with them understanding more about their business, you know, getting them to, to join the BFA so that we could be a part of their journey and, and help them. You know, it's my one of my big values is I, I want to help people. I want to help people be, you know, better in some way. Um, so it was why the events also worked, because people come and they learn a lot. Yeah, it's really nice. It's a really nice trait to have, to have that desire to, to want to help people. But um, I'm going to ask you why why stay with the BFA for so long? I mean, there's plenty of other industries where you can help people and and um, in, in different ways. And, and maybe you could have gone back to being a lifeguard at some point, maybe, you know, perhaps. But yeah, what, why the BFA? Why for stay there for 22 years, is it now? Yeah, it is 22 years um, because it changes people's lives. You know, um, when you get to do things like the awards programs um, and spend time with, you know, like I said, franchisors in meetings, you see how franchising has given them the opportunities of maybe a potential franchisee, you know, they've got out of the corporate world, they've got the work-life balance. You know, it's really rare that you talk to somebody in franchising that isn't in love and passionate about what they do, you know, and, and that for me, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love passionate people that want to thrive and want to grow. Um, I, I have considered, don't get me wrong, and, you know, um, being at the BFA, you do get people that will reach out and, you know, do you know anyone that might be interested in this role, Pip? <laughs> um, and and I, I had offers and I considered it, but you wouldn't have the same variety. You know, if you worked for, um, say, a franchise business, you know, for me, you would be interacting with different people, but in the same business every day, whereas this gave the variety. Um, and I always believed that one day I wanted to be the CEO, you know, it was from the very get-go for me. It was like, I want, I want to be that when I grow up <laughs> um, because I wanted to to change. And, and as I got kind of more into it, you know, and, and grew towards the role of the CEO, there were things that I wanted to do differently. You know, I could see that the, the, the world was getting a bit more kind of modern when it comes to social media and, you know, profile and, you know, collective campaigns and marketing and, and that, power of collective ambition and I wanted to be able to influence that so that's why I stayed you know and I think it's it was a good decision for me you know it, I think it's really hard when you ask anybody what do you want to be when you grow up when you're like 18 19 you've got no idea you know with the best one in the world I think it's you know a lot of people have changed careers and, and didn't know where they were going I, I was one of those people I didn't have a I want to be the CEO of a franchise association 
Um, it was just that I got in and I got franchising gets under your skin. I got really passionate about it um, to make a difference, to help people. Um, and I think that what the BFA does is incredibly unique. You know, we are first and foremost a standards-based association. That's our why. Um, and the values of the BFA align with my own. Um, and it's something that we're not about a big making money corporate commercial machine. We are here to be everyone's trusted partner in franchising is, is now my vision. But, you know, everybody's friend um, and to support people. And, you know, what better place to be able to do that than as the, the lead of an association? So. Yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely about the the, the social side of things and and collective campaigns are a really good idea. I think um, you know to to share the share the, the 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 money into one pot and then kind of have a, a broader reach for for people. I think it's a, a good idea. But um, you, you mentioned there about some of the the awards and things, mm. and um, I wondered if there's any specific inspirational moments that really stood out in your mind over your your time with the bfa oh god wow there are there's there's so many ed you know um, every year we do the awards um and every year we talk about you know the the quality of entries has got higher and higher um and it's not a cliche it really is true you know you you sit and you read through so i do the sifting process um so right from the grassroots of the entries coming in um all the way through um to now chairing the judging panel um uh, but it's it, it's the individual, the franchisee stories for me are always the real standout ones, you know, and people that have had to overcome adversity. You know, we've had people that have had to learn to walk again, that have lost family members and that have found a home in franchising to help them get over something. Um, so they're really special, you know, and some of them can be incredibly emotional. Um, and I'm like, I, I can't ask the first question. I've got football in my throat, you know, so. They're great stories, but, you know, on the other hand, you're looking at franchisors and they make a difference to people's lives. You know, they we we change the categories year on year for us to respond to different trends in, in sector, in industry, in, you know, government um, changes they're making. So, you know, we've had transformation awards, we've had emerging. So you see everything and there are just phenomenal stories across the board. There isn't a standout pivotal moment. I'm not going to pick one. You know, I support all members. <laughs> Don't recommend or endorse any specific one. But, you know, the, the, the stories are just amazing. Um, and, yeah, I, I can't pick a single one, but there are loads. Um, and the stuff with COVID this year um, was especially, you know, inspirational. Uh, people that they couldn't trade, but they were still a part of our sector and they were supplying something to their end customer to keep their brand and consistency at the forefront and help people, you know, so everything from, you know, the water babies, baby ballet, you know, just some really great stories of what they did because the kids and kids don't understand that we're in a pandemic and they can't go to their swimming lesson or their class or so it, it was just really great to see what people have done and how will people evolve as brands. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about uh, what sort of impact have you seen across the whole industry um, from, from COVID, but You've mentioned it there from the franchisor side, I guess. How about for for the franchisees? How's it impacted their their businesses? Um, I think it's been tough where some of them haven't been able to trade. You know, you've got sectors that have been, you know, with with domiciliary care. You know, we do a power hour, as you know, every every Thursday, um, and there's a cross section of brands that have been there and have been able to trade quite normally, pretty much all the way through. Whereas the others that haven't, um, 
we speak to franchisees directly through the, the Facebook hub and stuff that we have. But principally, you're hearing the stories from franchisors of it being about the support of franchisees, um, mental health and well-being. And for me, the, the proudest thing to, to see in our sector is the strengthening of relationships, the way that franchisors have supported franchisees, the way that franchisees have supported customers. You know, we as an association, you know, we took a look in the mirror at the beginning of this and said, how do we want to be remembered coming out of the pandemic? Um, and that was absolutely to be that trusted partner, that that whenever you need something, you can come here to help. You know, so we, through the kitchen sink at support services, in terms of the surgeries, we run the power hours, subsidized campaigns. You know, we did our annual conference uh, uh, virtually for, you know, 45 quid. So we could bring the sector together and, and they could learn um, from some of the valuable lessons that people have learned along the way. Um, we're seeing now uplifting interest in people, not just looking to franchise their business, but people that are also looking to come into the sector. So, you know, coming on to a buyer franchise seminar, going through the potential franchisee certificate. So I think that franchising is going to fare really well. Um, there will be some impacts with franchisees that have suffered really badly. Um, it's Mental Health Awareness Week next week, um, and we're doing some really great stuff. We've partnered with Business Yoga, um, and, and we're doing some things to bring um, that to the forefront because making sure that people are supported where they've got challenges with mindset or, or mental health, for me, is, is really key. Cool. So I'm up, I'm thinking now from the perspective the point of uh, view of somebody who doesn't know the franchising industry too well and they're they're kind of looking into it and they they find uh, the BFA as, as an organization to go to um, you mentioned it there you have some courses that are available for for them to take to help them to, yep. to learn um, could you kind of just give us a little bit of information around those what actually are they how long do they last and, and what kind of information is is generally in them yeah, so we we've run them for, for forever now. Um, so the the, the buyer franchise seminar is for somebody that is looking at franchising for their future, um, but they're not quite sure whether it's right for them. So the whole point of uh, it's a sort of um, don't want to say I'm not sure two or three hours um, <laughs> online is is basically for people to assess whether it's right for them. So to come to understand what true business format franchising is. You know, for us, we want to see that there is ongoing support and the franchisee needs to be able to realize a return on investment at the end. You know, if you haven't got anything to sell on, it's not a business format franchise. So for us, it, it's really key that um, we're explaining to people what it is and managing the expectations that, you know, you're not buying a job, you're buying a business um, that you can build up and you can you can sell on at the end of it. Um, but the key thing is that they're going to get supported. They're buying into a proven system. So the bit that the BFA does is, is all about kind of the opportunities that are available in franchising with everything from retail to you know, single operator, executive or you know, more manual sort of man in a van. Um, there's management franchises, there's investment franchises, um, but there is a huge cross section um, of, of different sectors that you can choose from. And the most important message we're trying to get across is, you know, one, can you afford it? Is it going to give you the right return on investment? So we partner with, with Lloyds Bank um, on, on presenting some of those um, different things. Um, but we give them the real life experience of a franchisor. You know, what is a franchisor looking for in me and what should I be doing as a franchisee? So we bring both um, case studies from, from both sides. But the thing is, it's about giving them the realities of, of what it is, the process they're going to go through. Um, but most importantly, taking forward that, what do I want to do every day? Because 
franchising, you're going to get trained and supported. So find something that you love and that you're passionate about is, is what makes this work. You know, do you want a work-life balance? Are you happy to work nine to five? What is it you need to do to fit your lifestyle? So that really brings the realities to life. Um, but we've also done it in an online format. So you can either come to the course um, and you're with other people and there'll be presenters or you can sit in the comfort of your own home, as we're very used to, in your pyjamas and your slippers and go through the, the modules. Um, and there are 13 modules, I think, for the franchisee one, really covering off the same kind of thing, but in more detail. And there's Q&A. So it, it makes sure that you've really understood what's come across um, you know, understanding the, the franchise agreement, the legalities of it, that you're not going to be able to negotiate and change that agreement, but that this is a really important document. So, yeah, it, it highlights pretty much anything, everything that someone's going to need to know when they're looking to invest. Is this now right for me? And then what your next steps are. So how you start your due diligence journey. Fantastic. I think it's um, it's really good that there's something available for people to to educate themselves about the industry and what and what to look out for, um, and and I know I generally find positives everywhere I can go and and about the franchise and industry and try and share those as much as possible. But I have a question now because I think it's important to look at both sides of the story. So I wondered if there's ethically in your mind um, people who shouldn't consider franchising as an option. Um, I I believe that. Pretty much everybody should, but I'm wondering, you know, from your point of view, is there anybody who shouldn't consider it? No, no. I, I think it's it's something that everyone should look at, but you've got to understand the realities of how it's going to fit for you. If you're looking to to buy a franchise, it's not a substitute for a job. You know, um, we always say that you know when you're when you're going into franchising, you, you've got to do it for the right reasons. You know, it's got to work for you it's got to work for your family and the you know the, the people that live with you um to make sure that that's really the right fit um you need to go in with your eyes wide open it's not a license to print money you are going to have to work hard because your role as a franchisee right at the beginning when you're buying a greenfield site is to build a business up from scratch yes you absolutely have the model that's proven and someone's made the mistakes before you. So you don't have to do that. You've got people to tap into, you know, that network of community, but the buck stops with you. You know, you are going to be running a business. If you flip it the other way, there are people that have businesses that they look to franchise. And I don't think all businesses are franchisable. You know, there has got to be um, a proven concept. Um, and by that, you know, we're not saying you've got to run it in 10 different places before you franchise. For me, you've got to have a robust business that is profitable um, and is transferable. So, you know, you can run it in Cornwall or Leicester or Scotland or Wales or wherever it might be. So it's got to be something that will work in other areas. But you've got to have proven that the business will deliver something back before you can franchise it. If you franchise a business that is um, not delivering a profit, you're just going to franchise a, another business that's not delivering a profit. So, you know, it's really important, I think, if you're looking to get a business franchised, that you take the right advice from the outset. And there are, as we all know, some questionable um, franchise consultants that call themselves franchise consultants in the marketplace. So if someone has a business and they're looking at making that journey into franchising, we'd always say, first and foremost, speak to a proper BFA accredited franchise consultant that can talk to you about your business, what it looks like now, um, and whether feasibly it will work as a franchise opportunity. You know, the most important thing from a franchisor's perspective is, is getting the right advice if they're going to go down this journey. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. So in terms of the accreditation, so this is what you're talking about, right? For these uh, potential franchisors, they need to be accredited to be part of the, the BFA community. Um, yeah. What do they need to, to, to do to be accredited and how long does it take? Runs a piece of string. It varies depending <laughs> on how quickly somebody um, gets on board. You know, we've processed an application as quick as a week. Um, sometimes it can take uh, a couple of months, depending on the changes that the franchisor needs to make to meet our standards. I think the first thing to say is, you know, we, we are absolutely a human organisation that wants to help people. You know, I've said that. Um, and the critical thing for me is, is people do look at our standards and go, oh my god, I might not meet them. We work very much with a partnership approach with franchisors. So they'll come to the BFA, you know, we have an application form um, that outlines the documentation that we need. But in essence, we're looking for businesses that are viable, franchisable, ethical and disclosed. So the viable is are they making some money and have they proven it? Um, you know, can it be run in other areas? You know, is it something that's only going to work in? Cornwall because it's a surf shop and that's not necessarily going to work in central London you know so we're looking at what they've done so far um if they're a very new business um and we want to see that they've taken the right advice that they've worked um on a proper franchise agreement that isn't a sort of template off the shelf it's it's by far the most important document a franchisor will ever have because it's about protecting their brand and business system going forward um, so we are looking for franchise agreements that meet the European Code of Ethics for franchising. Um, we have our own UK um, interpretation and extension of that. But this isn't something that we expect franchisors to know inside out. That's where the BFA comes in, in helping somebody if there are um, tweaks and changes that need to be made to the agreement. Um, and then it's all about the way that you disclose your business. You know, you can't say... You can work from home and there's no selling involved and you're going to earn a million quid a year <laughs> unless you can substantiate that you've done it. So, again, it's, it, for us, it's making sure that a franchisor is protected in the marketplace, you know, that, that standards are at the forefront, that they're not misrepresenting the business in any way, because that's about protecting them as well as protecting the people that are going to invest. But, you know, as I said, for me, we just want people to recognize the fact that it's, it's not that hard. You know, we're going to work with you and we're going to help and support you every step of the way. We're not a computer says yes or no. We're absolutely, look, this is where we need to go. Let's go on this journey together. Yeah, I guess it's not uh, It's not always black and white, is it? There's grey areas, but it's it's helping somebody through those those challenges to find their way into to setting it up right so that, yeah, it's protecting both both parties' interests, which is, which is really good. But um, I have a question because... I think questions are really important for anybody to ask, especially when they're looking to, to buy a franchise. And this one is, what questions should they ask the franchisors? Um, yeah. Loads. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> loads. Anything that you want to ask, you should ask to make you feel comfortable. But in essence, you know, the, the, for me, I'd be asking, um, you know, how long have you been going? Um, I'd want to know who was going to support me and look after me. Um, that's the most critical thing. You know, you're buying into this because... Someone's going to train and support you to do it. Um, so who's going to train me? Who's going to support me? Um, how many other franchisees are there? Can I talk to other franchisees? You know, if you want to know what's going on in a franchise system, talk to other franchisees. They'll tell you the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, and you can then make a really informed decision. But it's about understanding, I think, what you're going to do. I'd look at questions around the financials. You know, we have absolutely a list of 50 questions to give to any potential franchisee 
that's looking to speak to a franchisor. Um, you know, when will I make money um, is, a, is a fab question. Can you break down my initial fee so you know that it's not something they're making a huge profit out of? Um, God, there's loads of stuff. Um, I, I think we, we literally, we, we compiled a list that takes you through every possible conceivable thing you might want to know. Um, cool. Okay. We, yeah, we, for me, we what does the support team look like and what am I going to do every day? Who's going to look after me? Can I talk to other franchisees? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, you on that one, definitely, because um, I've loads of people have said it's like a marriage, right? It, it's a partnership that you're going into for at least five, 10 years, whatever it may be. And yeah. um, you're going to have arguments and disagreements along the way. There's going to be things that frustrate you, but can you work with them through those challenges? I think that's the most important thing to Yeah, to it's understanding out. that, you know, it, it's a two-way process. They're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them. A franchisor is not going to take on somebody that they don't believe will be successful. You don't go on one date and then get down on one knee and say, will you marry me? So <laughs> you're absolutely bang on there. This is 100%, you know, you're going to go on an open day. You're going to find out a lot more about the franchise or whether that's in a group environment or one-to-one. Um, and then you will probably go through, you know, two or three different interviews to establish whether you're right or not. Yeah. But, sure. you know, I think it's um, franchisors know what they're looking for in, in potential franchisees um, when they've been established for a while, they'll have a, a, a fab idea of what good looks like in their mind. So um, just trust in the process and follow it through sure. and make sure you take the right advice. Obviously franchise agreement reviews. Be a fair affiliate lawyer every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. The legal side is is essential, isn't it, really? But um, I'm wondering, is there anything that people typically tend to overlook in your experience? I know you've mentioned what you think is most important, but are there any questions that people tend to overlook when speaking to franchisors? I think the hardest thing for most people when they buy a franchise is that they've never really done um, necessarily the financials before. You know, so understanding... Um, the financial projections and, and being able to say, okay, you know, what, what does my financial commitments look like as a, an individual? Um, is this going to fit with me? Um, and then really working through that business planning side of things. And again, that's where we've got specialists in the industry um, for people to talk to because you've maybe never done a business plan before, but you need to understand what you're putting in that before you're going to approach the bank for finance. Um, and you need to work to that business plan. It's not just a document that you take to the bank and, and get your funding and away you go. Um, I think it's really good for people to, to do refresher business plans, you know, annually, um, to look at where they want to take their business to the next step. So you've got that focus. Um, but yeah, I think understanding financials is, is really key in a, a franchisee's due diligence journey and prepping. And, and obviously, as you go through the life cycle, and again, for us, that's where we really want to support, you know, from a, a BFA perspective, we did free franchisee membership last year. Um, and that's about us being able to provide educational opportunities for franchisees as they grow in the same way that we do for franchisors. Um, so it's just tapping in um, and being able to do things like understanding, you know, financial performance and what you can do to, to improve that. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Um so I want to change kind of pace a little bit now and um, and ask you another question about your yourself. And um, I wanted to find out if there um, has been anything funny or interesting or, or strange or, or different in your career that you've you've experienced. I love I to find these be, stories. Yeah, <laughs> um, probably the, the the hardest transition for me um, was always going into kind of interviews and public speaking scenarios. 
Um, most people don't know I'm terrified of public speaking. So um, prior to the conference, when everyone's filing in, I'm standing out the back trying to breathe <laughs> before I go out <laughs> on the stage. Absolutely terrifies me still to this day. It doesn't um, show. <laughs> Probably the funniest one was um, I was going to do uh, an event with one of our uh, senior members in London and I'd got off the tube and I was wandering down the street and this guy started running after me. He excuse me, excuse me. And I was like, well, he's, I've seen you on the TV. And I was like, well, I, don't, I hadn't been on the TV, but um, it transpired that he'd been watching the potential franchisee certificate. Okay. So he'd been going through the programme. And then I thought it was really weird and he was going to follow me. Um, and he did. He kept following me down the road. Um, he was going to the same place I was. We were going to an open day for one of our members where I was a speaker and he was a delegate. But yeah, I just I thought he picked up a stalker. So I was a bit worried for a bit. Um, yeah, really strange when people now um, realise who you are because they've seen something within franchising. And it's 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 lovely, but I still find it quite bizarre. Fantastic. And did you sign an autograph for him? Or? <laughs> no, he didn't ask me, funnily enough. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. And um, I know you're not allowed to have favourites within the franchise uh, franchisors that you work with, but are there any in your personal life that you use on a regular basis or or more than others? Is there a brand that you interact with? No, I use all of them. If I need something doing, I I Google and find a franchise, preferably a member. Um, But, you know, when I moved into my house, I needed the carpets cleaned. So I had safe clean roll up outside at the same time I had um, oven wizards um, with their van um, and I what else did I have um, oh I, I had a molly made um, franchisee come around to look at whether I was going to have a cleaner and stuff but yeah you know when you go and take the, the picture from outside but yeah if I need a gardener someone to come and mow the lawn not that I'm that extravagant but I couldn't get my lawnmower out of the shed because I'm frightened of spiders so I, <laughs> I had to get someone to come mow my lawn once um so I used the franchise but yeah for me um if I I'm a big believer we're all in this kind of wonderful thing in franchising why would you buy from somebody else when you can buy from a franchise business so I will make a concerted effort if I'm going to do something to find a franchise that's one of our members and use them if there's somebody that does it it's i just think it's a no-brainer yeah i think it's interesting because it, it then leads me on to thinking you know these are these are all small businesses right and um you, you mentioned all those brands there that maybe some people will recognize they might think okay that's you're just feeding a big corporate company maybe that's you know all the money's going upwards to the guy at the top but is it mm-hmm. like that in reality from your perspective no, no, not at all. And we ran a campaign actually last year. So um, when the government were talking about, you know, buy local, shop local, all of that kind of stuff, um, we did a campaign that was franchisees are local business people in the local area. And actually they do a, a, a ton for their local communities. You know, the larger the brand, it tends to be the more they do and it's slightly more prescribed. But you tend to find that most franchisees are giving back in their local community, whether that's with you know, marketing initiatives, whether it's, you know, raising money for different charities, whether it's sponsorship of local, you know, children's football teams or rugby teams or, you know, big people football teams and rugby teams, <laughs> you know, they, they're they absolutely all about their local communities. You know, you look at the domiciliary cares and they do all of the, um, you know, the memory cafes and, and different workshops to support in, um, in their community. So these are local people um, that, are the same, you know, whether it's a cost of franchisee, you know, they're, they're still a local franchisee, um, so therefore a local person. And I think there has always been a misconception that because a franchisee is paying a management service fee, 
back to the franchisor that they're, they're then more expensive. And it's just not true. You know, you're paying a management service fee for the ongoing support that you get. But that isn't something that the customer is being impacted by. So for me, they're, they're local business people. And we should all in franchising make an effort to buy from one another. Um, yeah, very I can get my hobby horse on that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I, I, I agree with um, pretty much all you said there. So, um, yeah, I definitely l- something that I didn't realise before I started working in the franchise industry was that actually these are just individual people that have um, decided that they want to do something different with their life. They don't want to be an employee anymore. They want to have some control over their future and. If they can buy into a brand, if they've got the capital behind them to do that, that's well known. Well, that's that's good on them, but it's still at the end of the day, yeah, local area. All, yeah, they're all independent business people, and you know they do have an influence on how they run their business in their own local area. But the really special thing is that they have the backup and support of a national association and the ability to buy into a brand that's already recognised, rather than starting out on their own. So I, I, it's a great way into business. And yeah, I, I I feel for franchisees when people are a bit like, oh, well, you're a franchise, which means you're a big corporate and it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it makes more and more sense to me the more I think about it, that you don't have to have this big idea yourself. You can actually follow somebody else's model and yeah. you can go out there and do it on your own as a self-employed person, but that's going to take time and money and you're going to make mistakes. Or you can look at a franchise and follow someone else's pattern, you know, and, and processes that, that we know what, you know, work. The flip yeah, side absolutely. is you have to pay money, but at the end of the day, that's, <laughs> that's down to the individual to work out whether it works right for them or not, I guess. But um, yeah, it's interesting. So um, I appreciate we've taken up quite a bit of your time so far. So um, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask, and you've already given lots of great advice so far, but I wanted to ask what's the one key piece of advice if you only were able to give one one bit to somebody who's looking to buy a franchise what would be that one key piece do something that you love um do, do something that you're passionate about that you have always wanted to do every day you know um i think most people when you're you get to the stage where you, you know you buy a franchise at the average age of a franchisee is, is 45 most of those people will then know what it is that they want to do and, and that balance. So it's it's do something that you want to do because the unique thing about franchising is this touchable, feelable, pokeable thing, and you're going to get the training and support to be successful as long as you follow the system. So, yeah, do something that you love. Awesome. Pip, thank you so much for that. appreciate all thank of you. your, your stories and, and your time today. So thank you very much. Hey, thank you very much for your time. Cheers no worries. Out. Take care. Bye. Bye. There you go. That was my conversation with Pip Wilkins, the Chief Executive of the British Franchise Association. The first thing that really struck me about this whole conversation when listening back to it was actually that despite the BFA being a regulatory body and a standards-based organisation, Pip herself was actually a real people person and you could see there's a lot of passion she has for the role that she, she she's been doing and what she does at the moment. So the thing that she enjoyed the most was quite surprising and that was going out there and meeting the different types of people that are in franchising from large corporate brands to people that are just starting out from home and it was nice that she actually um, 
it's not all about the standards. She actually cares about their businesses and the people behind them as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing that really stood out for me was um, some advice that she's given, which, which not too many people have mentioned on this podcast, and that was to talk, to talk to people and understand the financials around the business. I think sometimes these things can be something we will assume is just important, but maybe some people glaze over it or, or brush over it a bit too quickly. But it's really important to get those first year financials right and think about what what if, what if it doesn't work out how I wanted it to? Do I have enough money to cover my my own salary, my lifestyle until the point where the business picks up? So that was really interesting too. Um, but the other thing that, that really struck out for me with having this conversation with Pip was that actually it's quite nice for me personally to feel like I'm part of the franchise industry now. And I've been speaking to many people, many guests um, over the last few months and want to say thank you to every every single one of them. Um, the fact that the BFA are also speaking with me shows that they're keen to spread the word on franchising in a more positive light as well. So just wanted to say thank you to Pip and the team as well for all the work they're doing. So that's it from this episode. That's enough of me chatting away. Um, thank you very much for listening um, to you as well and um, look forward to catching up with you on the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye.